Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, offering quality live programming with holistic, spiritual, psychic, and metaphysical hosts. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to We Get Results. It's Tuesday, February 26, 2019, and um, I am your host, Mary Singer Albertson. If you haven't joined me before, my program airs the fourth Tuesday of the month at 1 p.m. Eastern and is archived for later listening. The purpose of We Get Results is to inform listeners of ways they can get involved and make a difference in the U.S. and globally. Be the change you want to see in the world. We are the ones we've been waiting for. There's no one else coming. It's up to us. And... um, The founder of Results, Sam Daly Harris, has said, the biggest challenge is how few of us see ourselves as change makers. But we all can be change makers if we find out exactly what what we need to do. So um, one of the best ways I've found is uh, for one person to make a difference is um, uh, taking action through the Results organization. Results is a volunteer citizens lobby meeting with members of the U.S. Congress, creating the political will to end hunger and poverty in the U.S. and globally. Check it out at www.results.org. Be an advocate for people who have no voice. So today I'm honored to welcome my guest, Sister Simone Campbell of Nuns on the Bus. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her background and... um, So Sister Simone Campbell is the Executive Director of Network Lobby for Catholic Social Justice, a federal advocacy organization founded by Catholic sisters to lobby in Washington, D.C. for policies that mend the gaps in income and wealth in the United States. She has led six cross-country nuns on the bus trips focused on tax justice, health care, economic justice, comprehensive immigration reform, voter turnout, bridging divides in political politics and society, and mending the gaps. Sister Simone Campbell wrote the famous Nuns Letter, considered by many as critically important in convincing Congress to support the Affordable Care Act in 2010. And she's also the author of A Nun on the Bus, How All of Us Can Create Hope, Change, and Community. She's received numerous awards, spoke at the 2012 Democratic National Convention, has appeared on 60 Minutes, The Colbert Report, and The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. She's a religious leader, attorney, and poet with extensive experience in public policy and advocacy for systematic change. She also has spoken at the Results International Conference when I was there several years ago, and she was just so inspirational, so I'm so excited to have her for my guest um, today. And um, so, Sister Simone, I want to thank you for joining me today. Are you there? Uh, Yes, I am. So glad to be with you, Mary. Oh, thank you. Um, I enjoyed hearing your message so much in D.C., and um, it's, it's just really exciting. So I'm thinking maybe would you want to start by telling us a little bit about your organization network? Oh, absolutely. Love to. Well, like uh, results, network is an organization of people around the country who believe if we band together, 
we can work for justice in our nation and in our world. We were founded in 1971. The idea was born and opened our doors in 1972. Originally, we were all Catholic sisters, and the idea was not to create a new organization, but rather to create a network of existing uh, relationships that we had as Catholic sisters. Now, all these years later, it me- a network means a l- something a little bit different in this Internet world, but uh, we continue to be a voice on Capitol Hill working with our uh, members and colleagues all around the country, making a difference. Uh, folks, in fact, folks have been doing uh, in-district lobby visits and are engaging in their members of Congress uh, when they're home at various recesses, as well as contacting them in their offices in D.C. It's a great group, and I love working with all of our with all of our members. Well, it sounds really exciting. I'm going to go to my brand new member of Congress, Haley Stevens, has a has an event tonight at six. So I'm going to go go and see her over there. She's an exciting new freshman member of Congress, and we are just thrilled to have several new <laughs> as members of you Congress. should be. Yes, it's a well, great Michigan, crop. It's a great crop. <laughs> yeah, we've already gone to see Rashida Talib, who saw us for an hour and a half. And we have Alyssa Slotkin, and we have Andy uh, Levin, and just um, we're really excited about the people that we're going to be lobbying right now because they really care about all people. So, um, you know, the the work sounds very exciting with network, and um, I know you have something new happening around the country, um, the Rural Roundtable. Maybe you could tell us something about that. Oh, right. Well, thanks for this opportunity. Well, you know, I'm a city girl, and so many of uh, our members are what I call city folk or suburban folk. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you look at the maps of the United States where there's um, health care is struggling, where education is struggling, where there's problems in the economy, what we realized here at Network was when you looked at where people were in trouble, Over and over again, it was rural America. And when you look at where people are feeling left out, disgruntled, um, angry, unseen, that's also rural America. Mm -hmm. So we decided here at Network is that we're going to do a a project this, this year where at least once a month, sometimes twice a month, we're doing rural roundtables. What these are are small gatherings of 10 to 20 people from rural communities to get together and talk about, mm-hmm. educate us about the reality of living in rural America, what the challenges mm. are, and what solutions people see for themselves. Um it's really an exciting chance for us to get educated, and I have to confess, I, I ran into several prejudices that I had um, already, well, and we're just getting started in it. Let me let me tell you what I was. Um, okay. We were in uh, in New Mexico, at uh, out in the Laguna Pueblo, the the indigenous pueblo, um, about an hour hour and a half outside of Albuquerque. And we're mm-hmm. talking with a whole group of uh, Pueblo uh, people, and I talked about poverty, and meaning economic poverty. And mm-hmm. one of the the leaders, one of the chiefs, looked at me and says, "Don't call us poor. 
Look at the richness all around us. Look at the beauty that we have. And it's this desert beauty. He said, we are rich. We are rich in everything around us. We have some economic issues. We have economic (laughs) issues that need to be addressed. And I realize that my focus on the economy as being the measure of poverty negated Mm -hmm. all of the richness of their tradition and of the beauty of the landscape. And my Mm -hmm. narrow focus made them feel left out. And that to me was startling. But then to learn of how they work with the land, how the um, they may not have electricity, but how they learn to keep things cool. They, uh, I, it was it was a a real big education for me, um, mm-hmm. so that we are more aware and able to craft solutions that represent all of the people in the U.S., not just the city folk that I know. So mm-hmm. it was pretty surprising. Yeah. Are you are you yeah. yourself a city folk? Would you consider yourself city folk? Um, well, I'm a suburban Detroit folk. Ah. I'm like outside of Detroit in the suburbs. So I'm not rural. It's uh it's you know, all built up around here, but I'm not not um really urban. But Either. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah. Well I guess I'm kind of in the middle. And um but well, maybe you, you could know, be the bridge people. Yes. Yeah. Well, but we've already, you know, like I said, we've already met with um, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, and uh, she covers Detroit, half of Detroit, and um, she's already working on um, affordable housing. And, right. Um, we, um, one of our our members of our group that was there. Uh, she's what results called expert on poverty because she actually is experiencing poverty in her life. So she talked to the congresswoman all about that, and the congresswoman was so excited. She said, I am so glad that you came. She said, I'm just about to schedule a meeting with Lieutenant Governor Gilchrist, and I want you to come to that about housing. So, I mean, she was already, you know, on the ground working on some of the things that we uh, we're interested in, and she talked for an hour and a half, which is unheard of. So um, we were thrilled <laughs> that's, about that. We were, that's we great. Were thrilled about that's that. great. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of things happening, and a lot of, especially the new people seem to care about all people, not just about rich people. So right. um, we're right. very excited about. That. So um, yeah. So what are you finding as far as um, uh, challenges? of the urban-rural divide. Oh, well, one of the things that we're finding consistently is the challenge of the broadband Internet access is that rural America Mm. is being left behind. Um, I mean, like Uh podcasts and all of the electronic ways we have of communicating these days um, are not readily uh, available in rural America. We were in one rural area. We were at a school, and the students were uh, junior high students were showing us a prize-winning video that they had made 
but they mm-hmm. had to use the principal's cell phone as a hotspot in order to be able to access YouTube and the internet. In the middle of showing oh. us this uh, <laughs> this video, the principal gets a call because this is the school phone. He gets a call, and oh. we had to stop watching the video so he could take the call about school administration. And it struck mm-hmm. me about how um, limited access is in rural communities and how if students don't have that same savvy on the Internet, well, then it's mm-hmm. it's going to be really difficult for them going forward. But then we also heard that farmers uh, uh, on big agricultural uh, machinery these days Many of the fancy new machines are depend mm-hmm. on uh, GPS uh, to plow their fields. And if they don't really? have good connectivity, they can't line up the, I don't know the names, of, I have to confess, I don't know the names of all the machines, but for uh, mm-hmm. plowing, for you know, creating the rows for corn or wheat or that, they're all lined up with GPS in order to maximize yield for each of the fields. But if you don't um, have access to the GPS, then you end up uh, limiting your uh, harvest, which was, mm-hmm. I never realized that. And so the the access to the internet becomes a critical factor for not just learning in schools but also functioning as a farmer and folks who can't mm-hmm. afford these um fancier machines then also don't have as big of a crop yield it, it, there mm-hmm. there are things that I had no idea about it was it was really yeah and then complicated with all the uh new stuff that uh, farmers uh, have to cope with as far as um, um, just the things that are being passed right now so that they aren't going to be able to sell all their soybeans and everything like that. Right, right. Some of this trade right. war. Uh, you, you think trade farming is kind of a simple, a simple occupation. Well, I discovered, oh, boy, was I a city girl <laughs> in that one mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to learn a mm-hmm. whole different world. Yeah, but how important for sure. it is for for us to create solutions together and mm-hmm. to listen with an ear to finding both common ground and then solutions that can be supported. Like in healthcare, one of the big challenges is um, I was in uh, talking to a head of a small hospital in uh, rural Arizona, and he was saying that it's very hard to get uh, medical professionals to come. And one of their big problems is Mm -hmm. housing, that they don't have quality housing available. And so the hospital Mm -hmm. system was going to fund getting some housing built in this small community in rural Arizona, in uh, southwestern Arizona. And, um, the, they had contractors come down and bid on the project, but, even though the hospital system was going to guarantee construction and purchase of these homes, they said uh, the contractors, after you know figuring it out, said it wasn't economically viable for them to construct oh. housing. It wouldn't work. There wasn't mm-hmm. enough of a profit to be made for that for it mm-hmm. to be worth their while. And so 
I knew that urban America has housing issues, but I had not realized mm-hmm. that rural America also has some big housing issues. Yeah. The aging of rural housing stock is uh, mm-hmm. dramatic, and there's not much incentive with our profit motive to build in these mm-hmm. rural communities. So it's harder to get professionals yeah. to come and staff hospitals. It, it's yeah, a, and don't you feel like they they don't even listen, they don't take time to listen to what the needs are? Sometimes. Right. Often, often people. I, certainly, this doctor felt like nobody was really listening to what was going on. Mm-hmm. What what his actual concerns were. I mean, it, it was quite clear that that was the case. Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. there are worlds we need to be aware of if we're really going to be one nation, and that's mm-hmm. where I think some of the tension that we're experiencing in our nation right now that's so painful, at least I experience it as real painful, is that we're not doing mm-hmm. too much listening to each other. We're doing a lot of yelling at each no. other, but not much listening. Yeah. Or if they listen, then they go ahead and do the opposite thing anyway. <laughs> well, there's that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, we got it. Okay, well, forget it. No. But, um, it, it, well, that's why we have to stay on top of them. We have to stay in relationship. Yeah. That's the challenge. Yeah. And I think you know, with the with the uh, government being closed for that time, you know, everybody is having a harder time now because of all that. And I don't know how that's all going to be made up so that uh, people have what they're supposed to have, you know, so they can get by and pay for the places they're living and their food and everything else. But, I know. I know. Well, Especially the contractors. The... Yeah. Pardon? Yeah. Yes, the contractors. That sounds. Yeah. Yes, I've heard a lot about that. But um, so, how do you think this is going to be doing going forth, going forward with the roundtables and all that? What can people get involved in that, or what exactly? Oh, is... absolutely, absolutely. So we're doing these around the country. Um, and uh, that what we're there's two ways to get involved. One is we're going to be summarizing our uh, our learning and um, be sharing it uh, broadly. So if people are interested, they should go to uh, info i n f o at with a at sign networklobby.org and email us and we'll get you on our distribution list if you're curious and learning more about what we're learning in this process Um, as we go forward we're going to be publishing on our uh, website networklobby.org where we're going to be holding these so that if people are interested they can um, let us know Uh, coming up we have uh, uh, a uh, in Minnesota, we're doing one in Minnesota on the Wisconsin border, so we're drawing from both Minnesota and Wisconsin. We have California, uh, up Northern California. We've got um, let me think, uh, Mississippi, Alabama coming up, mm-hmm. and one more in the works that I've oh uh, Missouri. Uh, in the boot heel okay. of Missouri. So those are the places where we've got mm-hmm. them coming up in the next couple of months. But if folks are interested, mm-hmm. they can reach out to us, as I say, at uh, through our website. We'd be happy to include mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Um, as far as, like, other 
things uh, that you're working on. Are there other um, programs that you've got going on right now, or are you mostly <laughs> just uh, working on that? Oh, no, we've got a lot else going on. Glad you asked. I appreciate that, Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We we work on, basically, we say it, it's our, we have seven basic uh, uh, policies that we work on for economic justice. And uh, mm-hmm. part of it is tax policy, but the big things we're working now are on now are living wages and on uh, what we call family-friendly workplaces. The fact that mm-hmm. most low-wage workers have no paid time off, they have no sick time, uh, they have yeah. no uh, capacity to care for sick kids, we think that's mm-hmm. wrong in the richest nation on earth. Um, it's also wrong uh, as a public health issue because most of the fast food workers don't have sick time, so workers have a tendency to come to work even if they're not feeling yeah. well. And mm-hmm. that makes me nervous about the health care yeah. for yeah. the rest of us in the process. So we think it's both a public health issue as well as a humanitarian concern that everyone should have um, some paid time off both to care for family members but also to uh, have sick days for themselves those are and living wages making sure that wages can support families the fact that so many of our low-wage workers are working two three and i met a man the other day that's working four jobs that's wrong that's just wrong when we have this ultra wealth in our nation there's enough to go around if we share so we've got some very specific uh legislation that we're working on in raising wages Good, because I know, you know, with results, we're always talking about stuff like, um, you know, these, these people are just barely lifting themselves out of poverty, but they're only one emergency of someone being ill or their car dying or having to take care of a parent or just one thing because they don't have money in the bank is going to throw them right into poverty. So we Absolutely. really, really need help with that. Um, and I think, I don't know what, if your um, statistics say one in five, but around one in five kids that don't know if they're going to eat today in the U.S. that are food insecure, and um, that's just not acceptable. Right, and, and what I think people lose sight of uh, sometimes with statistics is you, you we can say that, well, you know, they're not doing their part. They're not working hard enough. But what I think people really need to, and what we're learning is, is low-income people are working really hard. It's not yeah. the issue isn't hard work. The issue is the level of wages. It also would mean mm-hmm. um, if, say, a fast food industry uh, paid living wages, say fifteen dollars mm-hmm. an hour or higher, depending upon the area in which you live, um, it would mean that we would each have to pay a quarter more. But there's also the possibility mm-hmm. that the CEO and top management might be able to take a couple of thousand dollars less in income and share it with their employees. So I think that this idea that we are not just responsible for getting as much as I can as individualism, I think what we really have to say is that, and what Results does such a good job doing is saying that we're in this together. 
It's only when mm-hmm. we take action together or we care for the whole, the common good, mm-hmm. is that we really are best as a nation. And that mm-hmm. sort of got lost recently, it seems to me. So we're trying to uh, uh, trying to get people to engage in the common good. And while I'm, I mean, I'll confess I'm a registered Democrat, but what I'm saying to my friends, the Republicans, is please take back your party. Be the party of business, but let's work for the sake of the 100%. Let's get engaged together to figure out the way forward. This idea of hyper-wealth, hyper uh, disparity between the top and the bottom. It's sucking the life out of our well, nation, and it's not good for any of us. Well, it's so ridiculous because if you're a millionaire or a billionaire and they give you a tax increase, you're not even going to notice that you have so much money. You know, they aren't <laughs> even going to notice that. <laughs> and there's so many people that need it so badly. Um, and it's just it's heartbreaking because... And the same with the pharmaceuticals. We've got to do something about that also. Um, Right. But, you know, the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical issue is really the same issue. The question is that they keep paying such money at the top that there's nothing about the consumer or the the, the patients who are trying to use their products. And that's where um, I I heard recently – I benefited from the polio vaccine when I was a little kid, and I -hmm. found out that you know that Jonas Salk, who created the polio vaccine, never patented it. He never got a dime out of it because he said Mm -hmm. it was his responsibility to share it with the world. Well, now Mm -hmm. if pharma would take that same attitude and share their research with the world, Ironically, the research is mostly funded by the federal government, so you would think the government would have an interest in uh, the products mm-hmm. that it helps create. But it's really a, a really different attitude. And so mm-hmm. at the basis of all this struggle is to recover the idea that we're in it together. Let's work together mm-hmm. so that everybody can thrive. That's what we're about. Yeah, Exactly. We um, we don't need to see people not having the ability to uh, go to a doctor and, and heal themselves of something small, which is going to turn into something huge if they don't get treatment. And, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I think um, there's, just, there's just so much that it's hard to even wrap your head around uh, uh, everything that we need to do. But I think that... With some of our new legislators, I think that's that's going to help for one thing. And um, I think that people people need to know that they need to contact their members of Congress. I know when we would go with results, um, we had one person say to us, "Oh, we love it when you come on the Hill and lobby our office because you're not lobbying for something that's going to give money to yourself. You're trying to help other people." And another one even said. Um, you elect us and then you abandon us. You don't even tell us what you want us to do. Well, some of them don't want to know, but but a lot of them <laughs> do right. want to know <laughs> what we want. And um, so I really think that people need to make sure that they do try to get a hold. It's so easy, and I think people just have no idea. I think sometimes people will say lobbying, which sounds big, but really is just telling your members of Congress, what you care about and what you'd like them to do and what you need and, and why you're having a hard time. And um, 
you're the constituent, you're their boss, call them, uh, make sure you tell them you're a constituent and tell them you want to call back when they, they tell you what their boss has to say about your request. So it really is not that hard. People need to try it, and they'll see how easy it really is. So. Anyway. Absolutely, I totally agree. And the other piece is we don't know we don't have to know what the solutions are. We can ex- mm-hmm. tell our representatives what the problem is, and then they're getting paid to figure out how to solve the problem. So um, it's really uh, uh, that's what we need to do is to make clear what the problems are and help hold our elected officials accountable. It's it's mm-hmm. what democracy is. It's hard work, but it's what we have to do. Yeah. But everybody just needs well, to do their part. That's the key. You don't right. have to do it all. Yeah. We just have to do our each yeah. one of us has to do our part. And then what your little part is around you, if it has to do with your school board or if it has to do with uh city council or whatever, you know, you don't need to have everything going to the to the US Congress or stuff we can do that needs to be worked on in our own cities. Um, for our own kids, and um, so I, you know, I really uh, appreciate all that you're doing. Um, I don't know if there's any other areas that you'd like to mention. Um, I had this nice um, quote at the end of um, part of uh, the stuff online about network, which says, network commits to upholding human dignity, embracing our right and responsibility to participate, standing with those living in poverty, bridging divisions, uniting with workers and nurturing the earth, and that pretty much covers it. So we know you're in going in the right direction, and um, I don't know if you have anything about that particular, um, you know, that area that you'd like to finish up with. I'd like you to maybe talk a little bit about mending the gaps that you're going to speak on at our um, event, but what else would you want people to know? Well, uh, Mary, maybe I can just say that our whole uh, orientation really is towards that uh, income and wealth disparity, and we think it's mending the gaps in our society. It's the gaps, economic gaps, but it's also that the gap that gets created between uh, between people that get too often left out of our care. So we are value-based engaged in making a difference in our society that's what it is and if we each do our part it all gets done mm-hmm. so i'm really grateful mary for you doing your part by having this broadcast it makes such a difference thank you well thank you i have the last couple of months i had ken patterson from results on and we were talking about um what we can do now that the election is over we're not sitting down on the couch we've got work to do so the last couple um last two, I think, um, uh, shows I had about that and then also about the um, gerrymandering and the way things are going with that the last few shows. So if people wanted to go on the archived shows, they could uh, get some more information on that. And I'm probably going to repeat this um, interview next time because it will be a few days before our results um, event where you are the keynote. And we're so excited that we're going to Good to have you at that in Ann Arbor, and I'm hoping that maybe you could just kind of give people just a taste of what you're going to talk about, about mending the gap, and um, and maybe they will want to come out there because it's going to be a really great afternoon. 
Well, it should be fun because one of the things that we're going to be looking at is not just uh, statistics, but rather engaging the stories of real people and how policies make a difference in people's lives. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes it seems cold and distant, but it actually is uh, a vibrant story of what are the consequences. So we're going to look at some of the tax policy that most people get really bored about, but it's actually quite exciting when you see the impact of tax policy and then how we can make change happen. So uh, stay tuned for good stories about good people trying to make a difference. Yes, and we just thank you for all you're doing, and uh, we know you're making such a difference now and already, and, and we'll be looking forward to hearing more. We have some results, people that are also going to share a little bit about what has happened with them and um so you know i think it should be a really interesting afternoon which is um on sunday march 31st at 2 30 in the afternoon um in ann arbor at bethlehem united church of christ and um we for more information or to purchase tickets you can go on results dot Salsa Labs, S-A-L-S-A-L-A-B-S dot org slash Sister Simone. And any questions that you want to answer, you can contact Results Ann Arbor at gmail.com or 202-783-4800 extension 131. So we were thrilled to have you at our Results International Conference. If anybody feels like they want to get involved, that's another really great way to get involved. This last year, I think we had people from 25 countries lobbying the World Bank, along with uh, people from every state uh, lobbying Congress. And Michigan gets really into it. And we saw every Michigan congressional office in two days, which was 16. <laughs> so that that was a little much, but, but we did a pretty good job. And um, um Pretty much, they're pretty much happy to see us because they know we're not there trying to persuade them to do something for someone who wants to make more money. So um, results is great, too. So I hope that people will try to join us. We go and visit all the Congress people, such as Debbie Dingell and Debbie Stabenow and Gary Peters and, and Brenda Lawrence and all the new people. And we really have a great time. So Thank you so much for everything that you contributed today. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with except come and see you on March 31st? Come and uh, join us on March 31st, and in the meantime, keep doing your part. That's how we make democracy work. That's right. Thank you so much. Uh, God bless you and everyone else that's working with you, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Super. Looking forward to it. Take care, Mary. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Simone. Bye-bye. So we will be speaking again. Uh, the program will be the fourth, uh, the fourth Tuesday in March, which will just be a few days before our event in Ann Arbor. So I will look forward to, to speaking with you all then. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.